Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast on the Pit Podcast Network. My name is Shad. I'm joined tonight by Matt and Brad. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Doing good here. Excellent. Glad to hear. We want to thank all of you all for joining us on this episode. Uh, <clears throat> we love putting this content out, and we hope you all enjoy it. We'd actually love to hear from you. So, we have a few social media ways to get in touch with us. Uh, what's one of them, Brad? Uh, you can like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. That is the number four corners as one word podcast. Give us a like or give us a comment. All right. Uh, I think there's another one too, isn't there, Matt? There is. We are on Twitter, twitter.com. And <laughs> our Twitter handle is at podcast four corners that's the capital p that's the number four at podcast four corners and reach out to us we'd love to hear from you our dms are open you want to talk wrestling with all you folks and we are also on instagram we are on instagram as four corners podcast all one word and so uh, hit us up there we're i just got that one started we're trying to build it out if social media is not your thing, uh, there's another option too, isn't there? Yes, you can email us. It's pitpodcast25 at gmail.com. Just a warning, I do not check that um, often. So if it's a couple weeks and you get a random answer from me, uh, that's why. Also, for the Twitter and the email, if you want to also talk to us about Ron and Fez, Matt and I are big fans. We'll be more than happy to... Uh, <laughs> talk some old radio show with you all right so the other thing that we need to do is we are going to be beginning a partnership with collar and elbow collar and elbow uh, put together by wrestlers for wrestlers and wrestling fans the um support your local independent wrestler collar and elbow drops new gear every three months check them out uh, the guys that run it are super guys. They're stand-up folks. Uh, I believe Al Snow was part of the spearhead getting it started. I've got one of their shirts. It's a dark heather with the collar and elbow across the front. They, I think they call it the mirror image uh, shirt. Super comfortable. Sized great. Doesn't shrink when you wash it. Hey, collar and elbow. Thumbs up. And as soon as we can get all of our ducks in a row and our paperwork done then we'll even come at you with some discount codes. So we would love for you guys, if you're out there listening, um, once we get it up and running and you're looking for some some quality stuff, maybe some wrestling attire that isn't somebody's face screen printed on the front of the shirt or something like that, check them out. <clears throat> and then we also have one other shout-out that we need, no, nay, we have to do. Isn't that right, Matt? That would be the great man himself, Epico Cologne, who uh, somehow, through some bizarre slight, was not included in the WWE Super So Super Showdown. I can't I can't say the word. It's like a tongue. <laughs> Epico sells seashells by the seashore. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was not on this show for some reason, but he's always in our hearts, and we want him on every show. Excellent. Yeah, um, that was that was the biggest error about Super Showdown. We'll give our reactions to it a little bit later on in the show. But the first thing that we're going to get to 
is going to be some fun that we've had going on here lately. Not in the wrestling world, but in its cousin in the MMA world. So, um, tell you what, guys, why don't you give us a little bit of background on this? Did we did we talk about the whole Connor thing from a couple of months ago on the show? I don't think uh, we did. I don't think we did. We talked about the uh, the John Jones stuff, but we haven't really talked about what Connor's uh, shenanigans from a little while back. Well, so I guess we'll make a short, a long story short. Pretty much, the UFC has developed this habit of not punishing almost criminal behavior from their fighters if they're a big enough star. Would that be fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. And it's not gone unnoticed by people. Uh, that's That's been a pretty long-running thing, too, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of started with... Um, I don't know if I'd say John Jones, but around that time. Oh, I would I thought it went further back than that, but... My memory can also be very faulty. Too many shots to the head. I think it was. I think it became more pronounced around John Jones. I think that's fair, or maybe it became more acute in regards to Jones. Yeah. So anyway, um, what happened this weekend is they had the big Khabib McGregor fight, and then Khabib won in the fourth round with a, I think, guillotine choke. Yeah, was, he uh, submitted Connor. Yeah, yeah, he submitted Connor, and then he pretty much dove into the crowd and attacked uh, Connor's coach or trainer or whatever you want to call him. Yeah, uh, Connor. Connor obviously had. Uh, there was all that incident from a couple months back, but Connor had talked like mad shit on yeah. uh, on Khabib, insulting him personally, kind of uh, his religion, his family. Yeah. It got kind of ugly. And I guess the the coach, trainer, whatever you want to call him, was also talking a lot of shit during the match. Yeah. And so anyway, can I, this... can I pose a question real quick, guys? Mm-hmm. This was after the incident with the dude who stripped his pants off after winning, correct? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. let's uh, let's talk about that guy in a second because uh, okay. I have something to say about about that. But yeah. <laughs> um, this was the main event. Well, no, it's it's kind of related to the overall theme of how like the UFC's edging into being like a joke. But sure, yeah. After the match, uh, after the fight, uh, the main event, Khabib just goes insane. Like he he obviously he won, so you you would hope that well, you know, I'm vindicated because I defeated the guy who's just trash talking me. But uh, I guess not. His uh, his blood was still up, so then he just dives. He 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 jumps the cage, and then it's there. There's footage out there for it. it's easily findable yeah. on the internet, especially on YouTube. But he does this like mad like run once he clears the cage. He jumps into the crowd, I guess, going after the coach, and he he basically is doing like a version of um the Finn Balor coup de gras on this guy. <laughs> he literally just is trying to double foot stomp him. And there was just there was more altercations from there. There was almost a riot. Like, and and I don't say that as a joke. Like, there was almost a riot in the building. It was very, um, oh crap! What was the Pistons Pacers brawl called? I don't remember. Mal- was it Malice at the Palace? 
I'm not sure. Like, okay. I'm vaguely aware of what you're talking about, but I can't put my finger on it. It wasn't that bad, but it could have gotten that bad. Yes, it was Malice at the Palace. I just looked this up. Okay. So, do you know when what... Ron the... Ar- when Ron Artest was out there choking people. Yeah, and fans and players were duking it out, yeah. It wasn't that bad, but it could have gotten that bad. And what... <laughs> I really want to know. My first reaction was, so you didn't put extra security out there to prevent something like this from happening? I'm not sure if they knew that it, it, that sort of thing was actually going to happen. I, I'm not I'm but not condoning it, what Khabib did, but you... Well, it was... You, oh, go, ahead. go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, you had, you had Connor throw a, a dolly through a van, like a... a a bus and injured several people and they didn't do anything and it was supposedly to get at this guy and they didn't think this could possibly like get out of hand and happen yeah it's and it wasn't just Khabib too it was also part of his team uh, because at least a couple of his guys got into the, the octagon and one of them just started throwing punches at Connor and that guy, I think uh, I think the aftermath of that Dana has said that a couple of those guys who are actually supposed to be UFC fighters there I think one of them at least had a match coming up in the next month or so he's alleging that you know those guys are not going to be booked on any UFC shows going forward so uh, I don't know like this is something that I mean there was such controversy and it was actually a major news story this past weekend like a lot of media outlets pick this up and it's kind of like a black eye embarrassment for the UFC. So you would think that they would need to do something about this. Like they've, they at least withheld, um, Khabib's, uh, earnings for the match, at least his purse for winning. And they did not officially give him the light heavyweight title, which he won. Uh, so they may, they may try and punish him that way by not giving him the money and, and, you know, stripping him of the title. But, uh, who knows who has faith uh, anymore like with their actual punishment of big stars because right now like it's it's a big embarrassment to them but it, easily they can see dollar signs of trying to do a rematch down the road so who knows if they're actually going to give them any sort of suspension I mean John Jones can basically do coke and uh, shoot steroids up and all he has to do is go before a commission and be like well you know I didn't know I didn't know what I was doing yeah. these things and he uses. yeah and all of a sudden you know they just basically slap him on the wrist and you know he's going to be good to fight again i think this in is in like the next couple months so remember too uh strike force never recovered from the diaz brothers fighting with mayhem miller and those other guys after mm-hmm. a fight it got them thrown off of cbs and they never recovered yeah so I think, I mean, to me, this is, I was losing a lot of interest because um, they just, they just don't get behind good people. Like everyone's just the scumbag that they get behind and it really just makes you not want to care. But this is, this is one of those things where you're kind of just like, you know what? Like, I'm really not that interested in what they have to. Well, if you anymore. think back, like my, my favorite contrast in this with UFC was look back at the contrast between um Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz like they they made a big deal out of Ortiz 
regularly, right? At, at one point, he had an entrance that was, some people would argue, was more ornate than a wrestler's entrance uh, on, on either of the big companies at the time. <clears throat> and then, on the other hand, you had Chuck Liddell, who was very polite. He seemed very, you know, easy to talk to. He was great to have on the talk shows. And who is it they kept getting their shoulder behind or tease? Now, I can't help but think part of that is, is feeding into the old carny attitude of people are going to pay to see what happens to the, you know, to the, the prick. They're going to they're gonna buy it in the hopes of seeing him get the absolute crap kicked out of him. But on the other hand, don't you think that having a, <clears throat> you know, having a, a you know, a likable guy as your champion would, would also, I don't know, that that would get people coming back as opposed to it being a one-off spectacle. Well, there's good news, Shad, because if you want to see a couple of geriatrics slap at each other, I hear there's going to be another Tito-Chuck fight. I really don't. Um, look, I like Chuck, but, you know, once your chin starts to go, then you're you're on the way out. I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm pretty sure a kitten could knock out Chuck at this point. Yeah, I, he used to have a really strong chin, and then once that started to go, that was it. Uh, the other thing that I have, because I had the possibility of getting going into pretty serious MMA competition when I was in college, and decided not to. I took a look around at the other people who were part of it and went, "Yeah, no." I don't I don't want to be around folks like this that much. But what I have observed is don't make MMA stuff personal. It someone someone comes out of it in just bad bad shape. It it never works out. Someone always gets hurt bad. My favorite example is UFC 100, Dave Henderson versus Michael Bisping where uh, Henderson hit Bisping once, turned him inside out, and then elbow dropped him on the mat, basically. That was more uh, like a flying fish drop across the octagon right in his face. Yeah, that. Yeah, I was watching it with uh, an old roommate of mine who is also a potential MMA guy, and the, the, the punch lands, and we went, oh! And then you see Hendo wind up to drop the... He basically dropped the forearm right across yeah. Miss Bing's face. And on the way down, I couldn't help myself. Oh, yeah! Wham! You know, it, that did slip out on the way there. You know, for one of, our, one of our old show reviews, we should do UFC 100 one day just because that Brock Lesnar heel promo at the end is just grade A material. And it, it works so well because it was in a, you know, quote, legit setting, right? Yeah. And, but I, I can't help but wonder if that's not what they're trying to recapture, except they don't have someone as good at Brock as putting on a character of being a douche. Like, my impression is, for the large part, Brock wants to be left alone. Yeah, Brock's, but, Brock's not... Things with Brock aren't personal. He's just... Being him. He's a he may be abrasive, but it's not personal. Yeah. As opposed to, you know. Anyway, I'll quit talking for a so minute. Yeah, look up the video. Um, 
I would say it's a giant black eye on the sport, and I think the UFC is going to feel some pain from this one. I mean, they kind of deserve it because this is like a chickens coming home to roost type of situation oh. where you're right. Like they've they've kind of facilitated this sort of behavior, and really, like I'm I'm kind of a fan of the guy because I think he's like one of the best heels in any kind of combat sport, fake combat sport of wrestling real combat sport of actual mixed martial arts, but I kind of like Conor McGregor. Um, but Conor McGregor got away with like some really egregious, like he got away with literal criminal shit yeah. uh, over the, over the summer. And they kind of just like shrugged their shoulders cause they knew he had a fight coming up and they really wanted to get the money for that. If, um, if, but if they, that they, had they, been, if that had been anyone else, they would have been banned from the country. Yeah. Yeah, and in it's it's just a joke. And there's actually there's talk. I mean, who knows what'll happen? There's talk like, well, this could affect um, Khabib being able to come over and fight back in the states because of his behavior here. Like, who knows? But I think they should they should get a black eye over this. They should have some repercussions. I don't know if we will actually see it. Um, I think you're, you're, the overall problem again. It's like they you're right. You guys are right. They they've kind of focused on some unsavory characters at time in the greater interest of making money where, you know, these are people that are stars or what have you. But the problem is that they're not, they're on the, it's still obviously a very wildly popular sport, but they're definitely on the down cycle from where they were a while back. So trying to run a show every month and guys nearly killing themselves, trying to cut weight, um, before matches, half the matches like go sideways yeah. before the actual pay per view. So they're and you have they're in this Covington weird... running around like being a racist asshole. Yeah, so they're in a scramble where like they don't they have a few very big stars, and then a bunch of people who could become stars. And really, all it takes is one fight, as we kind of saw with uh, with Derek Lewis, which I want to kind of talk about in a second. But um, they're kind of. They they need to push content, and they need to pop buy rate numbers. There's a lot of pressure for that, so they need to kind of just let some of these stars get away with like whatever, so they'll fight on the show and actually get those buy rates. But it's just it's it's turning their sport into a little bit of a joke. Like and, and, I don't know, they're, they're kind of ruining their credibility a bit. Yeah. And I don't, um, I don't think it helps them that Bellator is all about the freak fights now. Yeah. But what were you going to say about um, Lewis? So Derek Lewis, for those who weren't um, familiar with him, I wasn't really that familiar with him, but he's in the heavyweight division. He fought uh, Alexander Volkov uh, at this past USC event. Um, wasn't doing super great like he was i think volkov was basically outperforming him it was probably he was probably looking towards a an actual loss in the match i keep calling it match it's the actual fight um and but then he gets a i think it's like a third round knockout and if you did you did either of you have a chance to see his knockout no i didn't get to see it unfortunately uh-uh. it was something like he does clock the guy with i believe like a left punch and they, I've seen it in slow mo, and it's scary because the guy's, the guy's head just like jerks back. You can literally see like bones moving <laughs> with this punch, and he drops the guy, and so the guy's out. He wins the match, and that's um, that's when he like rips off his pants, and he gives this promo afterwards, which is basically what makes him into like an instant star because it was hilarious. It's only like a minute long. You can probably find it on YouTube, 
but he's talking about how uh, Donald Trump <laughs> called him up to uh, knock out this fucking Russian. <laughs> you got to win one. You can't let uh, Putin pull one over on us. He gives this like really funny promo afterwards. And then he gets asked, like, why did you take your pants off after the fight? And he's like, oh, my balls are hot. <laughs> and so it's this really bizarre. Wait, wait, wait. Let's make sure we get the quote right. It's my balls was hot. My balls was hot. Yeah. So he once he got his pants off, mm-hmm. it seemed to work because therefore his balls was no longer hot. Yeah. So he instantly becomes a star with the knockout and with this promo. So, you know, he's got a lot of heat uh, now in the heavyweight division. So what does the UFC do? Literally, what, three days removed from that fight? He's now going to be the the uh, main event for UFC 230 fighting against Daniel, uh, Daniel Cormier. They're going to have and that on like, November 3rd? Yes, they literally are taking a one-month build for a match with uh, Lewis, who you know wasn't this huge star until like three days ago, versus Cormier, who is still recovering from a broken hand, and they're putting they're having that match uh, in a month, less than a month, because they need to pop a big buy rate, and they otherwise have nothing else for that show. You gotta you gotta hit them memes while they're still dank, man. Yeah, I guess, but they, 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 <laughs> the idea, of course, was to, for Lesnar and Cormier in, I think, what, January? And I, who even knows what will happen with that? And, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to try and shift to have Lesnar versus Jones sometime uh, in January after the beginning of the year. I don't know, but it's if, if the idea was Lesnar-Cormier... I don't think I don't know that that's going to happen because I doubt Cormier is going to be fighting like two three months later, and what if he loses? Like that fight's this I, fight's not going to happen. I, who knows? It's already it's it's allegedly been booked. Cormier has agreed to it. Yeah, but I don't think he's even had time to get medically suspended yet. That usually takes about three or four days. I don't know, but they. Uh, I literally just saw a tweet a few a few minutes ago where on he, he gave an interview to someone on October first, and he's like, "No, nah, I can't, I can't fight. Like, I can't fight until like basically beginning of the year because my hand's still healing up." And then literally, like today, he's like, "Yeah, I, I agreed to the fight." Which you know, of course, they could have offered him like a ton of money. I imagine that's what changed his mind. But still, it's like that's you're again, you're making. I understand that they're running a business, but you're making. You're, you're kind of ruining the integrity of your sport in a lot of different ways. It's letting the people get away with whatever if they're a star, but also like hot-shotting main events with like three weeks of build just to pop a buy rate. Like that's, that's just nonsense. Like WWE can get away with that because they're not real and because, you know, they're, they, they can kind of somewhat recover because there they, are they, workarounds they, if you have somebody hurt. You can make it part of the build, yeah. or you can put in like a, a weird stipulation or something. Uh, UFC fight, <laughs> it doesn't have that luxury. No. they've. I think the problem, too, is they've really watered their product down. There's too much content, too many fighters. Yeah. Because, they're, yeah, and because they have uh, big TV deals and everything like that, they need, they need content, but... It, they don't have enough really to, to feed it. And again, like 
you have people you have fights not happening fights that have been promoted and advertised that are not happening because of the way they have guys cut weight like they're guys who are literally like going and having seizures because they're so dehydrated and they start having their body effectively starts shutting down Ugh. so you know fights don't happen that way and of course you have the regular injuries that'll happen with training or what have you they, they, they i think i think part of that is on the fighters though they need to start they need to start telling fighters no, you can't fight at 150 when you walk around at 205 pounds. Like that's absurd. Yeah. You have to fight at 170, at like at, at, at the absolute lowest you can go. I don't care if you can't handle it. You can't drop 50 pounds. For we'll see. I mean, they, yeah. something needs to give. Yeah. The uh, the idea that you have a baseline that you. Um, you have a baseline that you start from and you can only vary X amount from that. Seems like a good idea. It's just some of them are going to be like, well, then we'll never get that dream fight that we wanted to have. Well, that's too bad. Life's full of disappointments. So that's what catch weights for though. Fair enough. But they don't do that that much. So, um, that was, that was UFC 229, uh, crazy brawls and hot balls. I think that's a good catchphrase for it, don't you? It's <laughs> about as good as anything for that show. <laughs> I got to figure that Lewis's nick because everybody in UFC gets a nickname. That's got to be his from going forward. Is hot balls? They're 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 the nicknames that they get announced with always suck, except for the Korean zombie. <laughs> Well, like, some of them, some occasional ones are all right. But, now, anyway, moving on, we have also coming up uh, another episode from the Mae Young Classic. Um, And, as much as I hate to admit it, I didn't get a chance to catch up on this one. So, Matt and Brad, why don't you guys take it away? So we are now in the quarterfinals of the Mayon Classic, and mm-hmm. um, I would say this was this is a tale of two shows. There were two really good matches and two really crap matches, in my opinion. There was one really really bad match on the show. Um, one like kind of just their match, and then two two very good matches actually. So what? What what was it the Conti uh, Lacey match that you thought was the really bad one? Yeah. You know what sucks is I thought Conti was intriguing in what she did, but man, she got a terrible draw for people to actually take advantage of her skills. Yeah, Jesse Elevon in the last episode was just not good. I think we talked about that at length. Like Jesse, no offense to her, she's basically like a dollar store Bailey. Um, and in this match, uh, in this show, actually, uh, uh, Tinara, Tinara, like I don't know how they're they're pronouncing her name, but yeah, Conti Conti's was uh, was facing Lacey Lane, who obviously this is one of their pet projects. Which to me, it's like I'm I'm confounded. Like I don't understand it because there's. There are other people like look. This is a sh- uh, an episode that also had Casey Catanzaro, mm-hmm. and who is very very green, but 
for being in the business like a year or so, I, I feel like she's so much better than Lacey Lane. But I don't, and they, go ahead. What I don't get about Lacey Lane is I don't even like see the charisma. I don't understand what they see in her. I don't. That's what I'm getting at. Like I don't. I don't get it. Like she has a, an interesting look, but to me, I've said it when in the very first episode when she was on. Like she's, she looks like Ember Moon to me, and I'm not just saying that because you know they're both African American. I'm just saying like. Ember Moon has color in her hair. This girl has color in her hair. But, Ember Moon wears contact like different colored contact lenses. So does this girl. But they, it's like they push. It's her like through. this girl's like a clone. She's like a, a like a caw <laughs> version of a uh, creator wrestler version of um, Ember Moon. Like I don't I don't get I don't get where they're pushing her. She's not she doesn't have the charisma or talent that I'm seeing. But like why didn't they? Okay, so they pushed her through for two rounds. Her first match mm-hmm. was less that was four four minutes and fifty seconds. This match was two thirty eight. Why did she get through two rounds? Why didn't you um? Why didn't you give Rachel Evers another match? Why didn't you give um? Even, oh yeah, absolutely. Even Ariel Monroe, who I thought sucked, had at least charisma. I didn't think Ariel Monroe's work was as bad. No. as you did, but she but she at least you're right. She at least had like charisma. Yeah, but I mean, where Lacey Lane, I don't see it. Even like um, Karen Q, I'm looking at the other names and like remembering their performances. I would have even liked to see Vanessa Craven again. Yeah, I, I even liked uh, I liked Zia Brookside. She at least had like energy. Um, Jenny Karen, I agree with you about Karen Q. Karen Q actually was a lot of fun to watch. Jenny has a ton of personality, and I actually thought she was good in her match with Tony Storm. I mean, Tony Storm's a good worker, but I thought Jenny like did a lot. Like, there, there's literally like five or six other people we could say like they should have pushed through at least. Yeah, and beyond Lane, and some of the, and I, I thought I would think Conti and some of the judo stuff she was kind of doing would mix really mm-hmm. well with Satamura in the next round. Yeah, and I mean. I mean, I expect Sadamura is just going to run over Lane in five or six minutes. So she got to wrestle and potentially three rounds for less than 20 minutes of work. That's kind of absurd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can so you can tell that they're really protect, trying to protect her because this match was like three minutes of that. It was terrible. Yeah, and I really we you you I think mentioned this in the first episode with her, but uh, I'm, I'm fully in agreement. If I wasn't before, like I just don't like the crucifix bomb, quote unquote bomb as her finisher. I think that was Shad that had a problem. Yeah, that that was me. That was okay. Yeah. I I don't like it as a move that just doesn't have, you know, it just doesn't have much oomph to it. It's too contrived too. It's like, how how is she going to set it up to put, her opponent in it. It's, I don't know. There's, there is that as a finish. And I will admit, I get really picky about finishing moves, but to me, that as a finish is not a move that you want to try and use because frankly, it doesn't look like it ought to win anything. It, it kind of looks like a flash pin thing. And mm-hmm. if your finisher is a surprise flash pin, then you're in trouble. But see, because that that you don't have anything to put somebody away with. Where's like it's just like 
oop, did I sneak it up on you? Where, where are the trainers in this situation? I feel like if I was a trainer, like I said, I haven't been trained as a wrestler. I feel like I would sit down with this person. I'd say, okay, come here and sit with me. Okay, so let's list off these situations. How are you going to hit your finisher here? How are you going to hit your finisher here? Like, let's go through all these situations. Oh, you can't hit it in 80% of these situations? You need a new finisher. Yeah. It, <clears throat> okay. Lane, being as small as she is, um, leads me to believe, sorry folks at home, it's not like I'm trying to, uh, not trying to be gross or anything, I'm just, I have this cough that will not go away to save my life, so my apologies. Uh, the, you have this, this smaller person who is probably not yet ready for doing something particularly crazy you know she's not ready to to um you know be trying to cut a moonsault or uh something like that right so what do you do what do you set her up with then you know give her a um one thing i've always liked is a uh uh, an elevated DDT of some sort. I mean, f- for God's sakes, for the longest time, I used uh, an educationer. Uh, was it ex- was it educator or ex- executioner jumping ed- DDT? Execution, I think. Yeah, that was a stupid name, but why not give um, her? Why not give her like a La Magistral cradle? If you want her to have something that's like cradling people up, or give give her a missile drop kick. Bam! Big flying boots somebody right in the head bam down they go kind of stuff I f- just do that i feel like the women's division especially with uh with the women in nxt you need to say okay can you credibly hit this move on nia Jax? because if you can't don't use it i think that i think that would be viable because if you stop and think about a lot of people you know <clears throat> i know i know that we kind of have fatigue regarding her, but you know, Alexa Bliss could hit her stuff. Um, Rhonda has proven that she can hit her stuff. Yeah, but Rhonda uh, Rhonda is big and strong. I could, I you know, she should be able to throw around a big behemoth with. But that's it. Still works, is what I'm getting at. You know, it it, it still fits. You have. Um, yeah, but what I mean though is like. If you take Lacey Lane compared to Rhonda, Rhonda would look like an animal compared to her. Like she's big. Like oh yeah, she's got like her quads are huge. Like you look at her and you'd be like, okay, yeah, I can imagine her throwing someone that's two hundred and thirty pounds around with relative ease because she's sure she's an athlete. Like I don't, I don't see that when I see Lacey Lane. I just think like, oh, this is just someone. Lacey mm-hmm. Lane is like the scrappy underdog, except. I don't know how she's going to overdog at any point. And that's unfortunate. The thing is, she she didn't even play the scrappy under... Well, I mean, I guess she wasn't being dominated. But she didn't play the scrappy underdog even well on a show that had, like, Casey Catanzaro, which is kind of like what Casey's gimmick is. Like, she's yeah. the scrappy underdog. And it worked because she actually has, like, that type of charisma. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I'm not uh, I'm not invested. I'm not buying stock in Lacey no. Lane, even though they they clearly want to do something with her down the line. Maybe this is this is supposed to be Lacey's. 
Uh, okay, let's. I want to take a step back and and I'm going to make a guess at something else here. Maybe this is supposed to be like Lacey's big tryout thing. No, I think. And she's this signed. is she signed, but this is her opportunity to see how she behaves on a big stage, and they can go. All right, this is Lacey. We we got to do we got to do something here, or to say okay, let's see how she does out there. And if she holds up, okay, we can start tuning some stuff. I could see that. I will say, though, I think I think the only person in this tournament that's worse than her is Zeuxis. And Zeuxis has no business Oof. being in a wrestling ring. At least not this wrestling ring. Yeah. Yeah, Zeuxis is bad. And uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. If she's facing who? Io Shirai? I don't know how yeah, that's going to yeah, go. Th- if if Eo gets, I think Eo gets something watchable out of her just because Eo's great, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. So let's get into the next match, which is uh, Rhea Ripley defeated Casey Cantanzaro. Uh, this was this match existed. Let's let's say that. I didn't hate this match. I thought it was okay, but it was just kind of there. Um, I for the the brief periods where um, Casey was doing spots. Uh, I thought she, she, I thought, I do think she, she has charisma. They, um, at one point mentioned when, when she did like the around the world DDT, which was kind of a cool spot. They mentioned, uh, I think they said like shades of Ray Mysterio and like watching her, like that's kind of, I kind of get like 1996 Ray vibes. Uh, because Ray was, people forget like before he bulked up, Ray was so damn small. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was only in 96, he had only been like, 19 years old i think yeah he was he was very young but he he was very very small i mean he's how, how tall is he five, th- five three five four i think yeah and he he was barely he was probably like one i 30 i maybe. was on the floor of a show he worked once and he walked by me and i'm five eight and i no i'm five nine and i towered over him yeah he was really small and wasn't built physically um and she's like five foot uh casey's like five foot tall i think 100 is what they said so yep but i get that kind of that kind of ray mysterio vibe where it's it she really is like the plucky underdog and she can do cool spots and be aerial and everything like that um uh, i just think you know she's she's got to smooth some things over and figure out how oh yeah that's the thing she's just super green so she she knows how to do these spots and her selling isn't terrible it's just yeah, she's just inexperienced, so yeah. hopefully that'll come. Because I actually feel like they could, she could be a, a big star for them. I don't, I don't know, I don't know how she'd be able to to be booked or worked against some of like the bigger people. Because I think you're kind of running into the same issues like when when Ray was that little, where it's like how how can you make him believable? How can you have her be believable against like a Nia Jax or Ronda? But that's a bridge I guess they'll have to cross if she ever advances that far. But I think she has promise. What I don't understand with this match is why didn't they cut out that bot she had on the the middle rope? Oh, yeah. And I also thought this ran into the same problem the her last match had where it felt like Rio was kind of dumbing it down. And like it felt like she was moving in like three, four speed to, to um, not injure her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for for all the people that they there's some there's been some weird um, booking matchups with this. 
and I think Rhea Ripley kind of suffers from who her opponents have been, like these first two rounds. Because yeah. she she's she's talented, but uh, Casey's green, so she's kind of limited there. And then uh, MJ Jenkins who is was good. also yeah also not good. So uh, you you can't really see what Rhea's what can what she can do because she hasn't really had a good op- yeah. opponent. But um, I guess in the, in the semifinals so we'll see i'm going to i'm going to make a judgment call here and i'm going to go with Mm -hmm. what i think was the lesser of the two really good matches because i think there was a really good match and then i think there was a great match so i'm going Mm -hmm. to go with the really good match which is satamura defeating mercedes martinez in which i thought was a really fun match it is and i agree with you i agree with your assessment i thought of the of the last two matches we haven't talked about that was the I almost feel bad saying the lesser of the two because I think both matches were actually really good. Um, I, this this was this was good, um, and Martinez had control of much of the match, and then finally, like I don't know, almost like ten minutes into it, when Satomura took over, then it got kicked into like another gear, and I actually thought it it, it turned into a really really good match. It became a lot of fun, like you said. You know what this? You know what this May Young tournament's made me want to do so far? Is it's made me mm-hmm. want to pull up my Lynch catalog and just order a crap ton of like Sendai Girls and Stardom shows. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I kind of want to bust out, and and I'm an old school uh, Jeff Lynch person, so I somewhere like in my storage locker, I have like the. Uh, the old the hardcover not the hardcover the hard copy um of his catalog nice. not before he digitized everything and it was all just like a, a phone book full of all the stuff that he's collected for people who don't know jeff lynch is uh back in the days of tape trading he was like the man yeah um and he had everything and pretty much still does have every, everything it's, and it's including amazing. like, like he, he has stuff that no one has he has just about everything that is taped uh, in Je- in Japan, not just like New Japan, All Japan, like yeah. pretty much every promotion, even small, like like really small indie promotions. But, if it's been put on like a camera somehow, he he has it, and he's he's had those shows for like thir- going back like thirty something years, probably. He even has U.S. stuff that no one else has because. Last year, oh yeah, he does. Last year, I was looking for a tour to see if there was any Tor Johnson on video, mm-hmm. and he's got. There's only one I found, and Je- Jeff Lynch has it. Mm-hmm. I haven't ordered it yet, but I'm going to because I want to see if Tor Johnson was any good. It makes you wonder what he's got pictures of who doing what with who, in order to have that kind of uh, <laughs> but, right. But um. I have a folder in my Gmail that just says Jeff Lynch, and that's where his like monthly stuff gets put. Because oh yeah, I I don't delete a single one of those emails. Yeah, but Shad, have you ever been on the Jeff Lynch mailing list? No, I haven't. He sends you. I, I mean, what do you think, Matt? Like his emails probably like fifty to sixty shows he adds a month. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes see, he has so s- many shows he'll send two emails a month. Yeah. You concern me because now I don't. I'm concerned that like some of my old stuff's on there and it has no business being watched by people. So it's entirely plausible <laughs> yeah. that he might have uh, Oh god, that's scary. Yeah. 
And his. Let me put it to you this way: if you, if your full time job was just to watch the content that he has, like that, you could literally you. You could never do it like everything he has, but just the stuff that he probably gets on a monthly basis, you could do like a full time, like 40 hour a week job. You know what else I don't get about Jeff Lynch? You email him on like a Tuesday and be like, hey, I want this, this and this PayPal to him. You've got it by Saturday. Oh, yeah. It must be like his full time job, just burning stuff because it's it's tremendous. It's staggering how quick he gets you. And it's uh, we've now turned this into a commercial for Jeff Lynch, but he he really is an awesome guy. He's like super helpful. Um, and sure and we, uh, tag him in all of our social media stuff for this episode. I don't think he's. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I oh, hope he is. I'll tag him. He um his prices are good too. Like it's like six can, bucks a get, disc. Like I think it's yeah. nine dollars for a two disc show, maybe. Hmm. Yeah, I mean. I, I've gone to other sites, but like he just, he, it's it's worth it to pay a little more for to know he has it. Mm-hmm. But man, like if I, because I've been getting old, um, all Japan women show shows, and um, that catalog is just cavernous to go through. But anyway, so I um. I thought this was a really good match. Um, again, another great showing by Satamura. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to, I want to, I know we've, we've harped on this a lot, but this really does show the disparity of the talent in this tournament yet again. It does. Cause you'll have this match, which is like amazing. And then, you know, you had that three minute Lacey yeah. Lane match, which was just, oof. and like, and like it's, it's the difference between seeing, like workers that probably shouldn't be on TV and world class workers. Mm-hmm. And then and in between. Yep. And then we get to the main event, which I'm legit going to call this a great match, which is um, Tony Storm versus Hiroyo Mash- Mats- Matsumoto, which this match is just Matsumoto beating the living shit out of Tony Storm for the whole match. It started off kind of technical going back and forth and then Matsumoto started beating on her and then it that continued and it continued to the point where I was like holy shit when she started just like throwing clotheslines I was like damn and I don't, and at that point I, I really I have to say like unfortunately she lost but to me Matsumoto was like the MVP of the tournament she's, and the two the two matches she had phenomenal because I know I know you're kind of like Oh, she called her like your first impression was like she called herself Lady Godzilla for some reason. And then by the end of mm-hmm. this match, you're like, oh, yeah, she is Lady Godzilla. You know, yeah. And I had never seen a single one of her matches before these two. So these are my only two matches. And I'm sure she's had tremendous uh, Japanese matches. This the two American matches I've seen her in here are amazing. And uh, Brad, you probably will know who I'm talking about. But watching her, like I kind of got. I kind of got some vibes of Mima Shimoda. That's that's like the yeah. the Joshi star who kind of like she reminded me of because Mima Shimoda was like the same way where she was a a really good worker, but she could like go out there and beat the shit out of you. Yeah. Um, Mima, I'm just gonna throw this out there because it's I think it's a good um good match to recommend people. Mima Shimoda was in a tag team like 20 years ago, um, with Etsuko Mita. And they uh, they were they were a tag team called Las Cachorras Orientales, which is 
basically um, the Oriental bitches. Yeah. Uh, people <laughs> um, usually, if you see it on message boards, people usually call them LCO. Yeah, LCO. Um, they had a match like it's it's like a twenty year old match, but it was uh, for the RCN promotion. Uh, the tag titles there. It was Mima Shimoda. It was LCO. So Mima, Mima Shimoda and Natsuko Mita versus uh, Ayoko Homada and Akino. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, Brad. I, it might you might be able to see it like on YouTube. Um, it's a tag title match for. Uh, the, that promotion's tag titles, and it's like a twenty-minute match, and it is just phenomenal. It's like a fi- it's like a legit five-star match or close to it, and it just gets brutal. Like Ayako Humada starts bleeding buckets. She just she gets she gets uh, I don't know if she juices or like intentionally or she just got cut, but it she's bleeding. It's it's like this hard-fought emotional victory when they win. It's just it's a tremendous match. Uh, so all of that, that's the type of stuff that like uh, Matsumoto's work here kind of reminded me of. Yeah. And it was amazing. I want to like actually see a ton more for her work. Um, if I can shill it because it is an on-demand service, you can get, um, mm-hmm. you can, I think it's called Stardom World. You can get mm-hmm. that for about seven, about 650 to 750 a month to pay on the conversion rate. They chop the matches up. The promos are... Um, the promos are subtitled because it's a very English-friendly service. And um, they put all the stardom stuff on there. So you can see, like, Io Shirai in her prime. Um, Satomura comes through from time to time. Matsumoto does a lot of shows. Um, Kirari Sane started there. It's a, wow. it's a very worthwhile service. And like I said, they subtitle everything. Um, it's shot pretty well. They don't have announcers, but it's... It's uh, worth it. That's probably my favorite of the streaming services. So yeah, this match, uh, this match was tremendous. This was by far the best match of the tournament to this point. Yeah, um, and I, I haven't really seen a lot of Tony Storm, but she was very good. Tony Storm kind of can fall into that uh, "get your shit in" mode, but she hasn't done it mm-hmm. in this. But I thought yeah. this was. If I was to rank my favorite WWE matches of the year, this would probably be top 10 of everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I just love this, but I love, I love a good, I love a good ass beating. So this really, um, scratched that itch, which especially with the WWE <clears throat> women, you do not get stiff. Like, uh, no, it, this is probably as close to a Joshi match as you're going to get I even in the think, WWE. I even think Renee Young and Michael Cole were a little taken aback by by the um, how stiff it got. Yeah, because look, there there's been some good ma- women's matches uh, by actual WWE workers, but there this is just a different style. It was like a, a Japanese strong style style. So, which they're not, you know, yeah. used to calling at all. And they weren't, and they were not pulling punches. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> all right. So, really good episode to watch. Yep. Yeah, right. this is a. I say this is a, a thumbs up episode. If if people want to just pick and choose, just watch a, watch the Tony Storm match with Matsumoto. Watch the Satomura Mercedes Martinez match. Um, the other ones are skippable. Yeah. I would say watch okay. the Storm Matsumoto match twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, from there, we kind of touched on this as, as a, a preview thing looking forward. 
So um, we also had WWE Super Showdown under. I'm surprised that I didn't hear that joke made, but the uh, the show they put on in Australia happened this past weekend. Uh, four hour show, and <clears throat> Brad and I were talking a little bit before we uh, we came on the air here. It was odd because it kind of felt like that they didn't really have a good mic set up here uh, for this show. Like you're not hearing. The assumption is that this is like a Western audience like you would have in the States or in Europe kind of thing. But you're not hearing the same kinds of reactions you would expect. Well, you can hear, Um, you can see the people like making noise, but it doesn't like hit. Right. It doesn't carry. So if you're, if you decide you want to watch Super Showdown, bear that in mind. Um, So the, uh, the first match of the show like, I didn't watch the whole thing. I went through and watched bits and pieces That's kind of what uh, I as I was able to. I kind of would fast forward <laughs> and then stop, and if something looked interesting, I'd watch it for a bit, and then when I'd get bored, I'd move on. So Yeah, well, just, just so uh, everybody at home, I've got like a whole big pile of life getting ready to happen at one go. So I haven't been able to sit down and, and watch all of Super Showdown or catch up on May Young Classic episodes, so... Uh, apologies on that. But uh, first match was New Day, which in this case was Kofi and Xavier versus The Bar. Um, it was pretty good. I was uh, horribly disappointed. I'm not saying this match is bad, but this I was hoping this was going to be really good, and it was just kind of okay. So it made me sad. But they seemed- If you consider all of the crazy stuff these two teams have done together, I imagine it's got to be kind of hard to come up with new things to do, you know? It felt like they were running through, like, a house show match, but I also... You pointed out that they could have been horribly jet-lagged when we were kind of IMing back and forth, and I could really see that in this match. Like, it felt like they were going, like, three-fourths, like, speed. There's... The fact that you, you know, are flying... What it, what is it, a twelve hour flight to get to Oh, I think Australia is like eighteen to twenty one hours. Okay. Yeah, you're that, that's a very long flight. And that's you you basically have to get to the, the West Coast anyway to fly out. Yeah. So that's a heck of a long time to be on a plane. And then, depending on what they flew on, you also have these guys who are large athletes trying to keep their circulation going. In situations where the U.S. government finally had to step in and say, quit cutting the legroom on airplanes um, and pass that, I think it was it was 98 to 2, like in for, uh, through the Senate. Like that's that's a 20 hour flight under those circumstances. I imagine I'd be a little bit out of it, too. And we don't know what kind of promotional tours they had to do when they got there either. Yeah, because um, I'm not the largest person, and I'm very cramped on a plane. I had to fly to Orlando recently, and I had to adopt a very unnatural posture to fit. Because um, I, most of my height is in my legs, and that's not the kind of what height distribution you want to have if you're going to sit in a plane. The problem I have is that my feet never fit. Like my legs will be just give me just enough room, but like my feet are always like in some weird, like convoluted setup. 
Yeah. <clears throat> so we had uh, we had New Day versus the Bar again, and it was fine. Um, Don't go out of your way to watch it if you haven't seen it. Was what I'll the say. The finish. I thought the finish was really cool. Um, spoilers, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Xavier hits a backstabber, but then whenever he hits it, he holds on, and Kofi nails a flying stomp with Xavier still holding the backstabber position to go into the pin. Yeah, that was um, cool. That, I wasn't expecting a, the pin off that, actually. Yeah, that's a pretty pretty creative finish. Um, give those guys a lot of credit. Um, Charlotte versus Becky. I saw bits and pieces of this. It seemed okay. I don't get what they're going for here because they're trying to play Becky as a heel and Charlotte as the face, and it really comes across poorly. And this is I can't believe after, that they're still going with that. I know. It's like after they admitted we're going to be doing this as a two people with legitimate grievances angle. And then whoever's in charge of it's like, I don't really want to do that. I want to do it this way. And but they, it's like it's backward progress. They even had like Charlotte attack her after the DQ, like to get her heat back or whatever, because she didn't yeah. win the belt and you're supposed to think she's the good guy. Like it's, it's, it's it's absurd. It is stupid. Like Charlotte and Becky can work, and they've got charisma, but it seems like the people that are supposed to be handling this are are lost. Well, and the thing is, Charlotte is not that good of a face. So why are you dying on this hill for someone yeah, that's not even like a good face? Charlotte is is okay as a face. She's like Becky is a face that charlotte is like her father she is an amazing heel yeah but rick flair worked as a face too Char okay so here's the thing with charlotte if you were to give her like a grade average she is like an a plus heel about a c c plus face i would have given her a b minus but we're kind of splitting hairs at that point what do you think matt uh i, I don't know if i could give like a grading system um i i probably am a little closer to to Brad, like I don't, I, I well, I don't know. That's, that's perhaps unfair. I'm torn. I think she is, she is like an A plus heel as a face. Um, I don't know. She's she's not bad, but she's not great. She's just more naturally a heel, I think. Yeah, she's so, been so good as a heel too that it's yeah, it's kind of hard to set that aside. Mm -hmm. Um, because there wasn't like a com, like the compelling. I guess she had a compelling reason for coming back in a face fashion, but she didn't have like there wasn't a story that went into it, so it doesn't seem to stick as well. And then Becky is an amazing face, and it turns out Becky's a really good heel too. As it turns out, Becky's just really good. Who to thunk, right? Yep. So <laughs> so then um, um, John Cena looks really old. <laughs> Hang on, I was okay. going to finish it. Charlotte is trying to hit the figure eight. She couldn't get the bridge up. She finally gets the bridge up. Becky grabs a hold of the title and slings it to whack Charlotte with it to break the hold and gets the DQ. I don't know what they're going for here. I really don't, but I, the feud continues to evolution. I would like to think that they'll take a look around and just realize how crazy popular Becky is, but 
you know, we've been at this for long enough, and they're still trying to push her as a heel, that I don't have faith that'll happen. They're going to give it back to Charlotte at Evolution, I think. I think so, too, but, yeah, we'll see. Um, next, I'm a little, yeah, to that point, like, yeah. I'm a little, like, I'm a little uh, upset, because, like, they, they've had them now fighting, like, multiple matches together. Like, I just feel that's where they're going to go. They're going to be, like, Becky's... She's winning, she's winning, she's winning, she's winning up. She's going to lose the title. Yeah. Instead of just having her move on to someone else. Like, yeah. I just think that's what they're going to do. It's going to be the and, typical thing where Charlotte gets as many rematches as she wants, but the second she wins, Becky gets no more rematches. Yeah. Right. We're moving our way back towards the status quo. Yeah. <clears throat> because the long-term booking plans cannot be deviated from it's it's weird we went from this time when wwe had a problem with doing long-term booking to now they get so locked in on doing long-term booking that it's they're they won't you know they're cutting off their nose to spite their face well, it's even worse now though because they <laughs> they're stuck with these long-term plans that they won't deviate from but they don't manage any of the short-term steps to get there Mm-hmm. Or they change their mind at the last second on their last minute plan, so you get things like Roman jobbing to Lesnar over and over again. Yeah. So it's actually worse instead of them changing their minds every five minutes, they have this long term idea that they stick with to the detriment of their product, but then they don't manage any step of the way there. They just expect it to poof happen. Right. So the next match was um the uh, the uh, the radiators Elias and Kevin Owens versus the um, Bobby Lashley and John Cena. Well, Cena I call looked- them the radiators because they had they created so much heat. Cena looked old. But, <laughs> I don't know if it was real, but, but I saw someone post a picture from John Cena's Twitter that said. I'm getting a haircut tomorrow. Quit sending this to me. And it was a picture of Kevin from the office with his toupee on next to John Cena from <laughs> Super Showdown. <laughs> Cena with hair is not good. It it doesn't it it doesn't help that if he turns his head the right way, you can see where it's starting to thin on him either. So this one I watched, I'm going to be honest here, I watched about 30 seconds of this match, and I said, <laughs> I don't care, and I fast-forwarded to the next thing. Well, I skipped the next thing and went to the match after that, but I, I skipped most of this. Right. This match featured, um, it seemed that the high point was the introduction of the sixth move of Doom that I guess John Cena learned from Jackie Chan. Um... Because he he did the the five moves and then he did the attitude adjustment, and then he stood up and he did his flying back fist lightning punch thing for the win. I have to look. I don't I don't know what they were going for. Oh, oh no. on that, it, it was probably just for fun. But I mean, that's that's house show stuff. Well, no, what what happened is when Cena was doing the United States Champion thing and he was doing the Open Challenge, he um he changed his style. So the Cena you get now is the Cena that busts out the crazy indie moves because this Cena has lost like a step 
and he's showing the kids that he can keep up with them. So he's like adding those moves to the arsenal. So that's when you get things like Cena doing a code red or doing like yeah. those absurd things, which I actually like that style for Cena because there's, there's a good depth to like the character that the announcing doesn't communicate very well. But the yeah. lost to step Cena, like I'm going to show the young dogs I've still got it so they don't nip at my heels as much is a really compelling entering style. It is inter- It makes it a little more interesting as opposed to just Super Cena overcomes. Um, the other thing is they've, I guess they finally realized John Cena's pretty much cemented where he is. It's it's not like he's going to degrade. Some people aren't going to like him. Some people are going to like him fine. So you can take risks now, and it'd be okay. But Cena won with the, his Jackie Chan punch, and we moved on. Yep. Now the next match on the card <coughs> lasted for five minutes and forty-five seconds, which is five the minutes I- and forty-four seconds too long. <laughs> well, I mean, you need three seconds to do the count, right? No, I guess you don't not. have to do that. <laughs> but it was um, the Iconics versus Asuka and Naomi. <sighs> On one hand, it's nice that because the Iconics are from Australia, it's nice to see them get the win. And it wasn't Asuka taking the pin. But on the other hand, this is an example of the thing that frustrates me the most is a company having something special and then pissing it away. And they that's they ruined Oscar like with Oscar, yeah, yeah. Can, it's I I kind of had some hope that they could write the ship, but I I don't know they they I don't think they they have any idea. This is one of those situations I think where they're like, well, creative has nothing for her, so she's just getting like she's languishing, and yeah, we'll see. They're not they're not correcting the mistakes they've made by having her job out to uh, Carmella. Yeah. Yeah. And okay, so we had something special with Oscar, and now Creative honestly doesn't know what to do with her. Like they they don't know what to do with a powerful female character that is supposed to be more than you can. Like you've got to be on top of your game to handle. But see, they did the same thing like, with Bray. If I was, a- they didn't know what to do with him. And so we're going to keep running into that. And that's the thing that frustrates me more than anything else in watching wrestling is to see something that could be so special just rot because the people who are making the decisions don't understand it. But see, if I was in creative and this and she would still be over if they had just done this and it's a win or lose thing. It's just like, here's 15 minutes, Oscar. Here's your opponent. Just go do whatever you want to do. And it would have been fine. Look, if Oscar rips through some people, then that's fine. That's what you need her to do. We don't need a happy, smiley Oscar or an Oscar who has a buddy. We need an Oscar who's a buzzsaw. You don't even. And, you don't even need that. If she was having good matches, she would be fine. But they don't. They don't put her in a spot to have good matches. They put her in crap like this. So. This happens, and then it ends, and we go on. Yeah, right? never to be seen again. Next. Next match was AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe. Um, this was a no count out, no DQ match. 
this was this was really really good. I don't um, I don't think this was as good as SummerSlam, but it felt like a continuation of their other matches. Um, this featured a lot of Joe hitting hard, mm-hmm. which uh, oh man, Joe was Joe hit like a freight train in this match. But again, I kind of talked about this during the Matsumoto Storm match. But man, like Cole and Renee Young were just absolutely worthless during most of these matches. It's, I felt like they did okay in this one, but when you got AJ and Joe to work with, you've got to be pretty bad at your job not to do okay with it. Um, AJ and Joe were laying it in. They were doing good stuff. Um, You know, it starts out, AJ just goes at Joe, but Joe knows what's happening, so he lets, he lets AJ, who's got all this emotion unload on him weathers the storm takes over starts beating on him and then you have the the turn with the table spot and like i'm watching this and i don't see joe say it and cole says joe is saying my knee popped it popped or something like that and then aj just cuts loose on him and just starts beating the crap out of him this to me was like this is this is you know this makes sense in terms of the story like joe can still they can have this and you know it 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 makes sense that aj would have lost it like this and that aj would have gone after an injured limb as viciously as he did so it was really good. <laughs> honestly, honestly, their match is the only thing I can get excited for the last couple months. It's been really good. They've kind of. It's usually it's usually the best match on any given show that it's on. Well, they, they've done a good job of like if you watch these matches back to back to back, <clears> I think you would see like a subtle progression in the in these stories. I think honestly, the only thing hurting it right now is Joe needs to win one of these matches. Yeah, Joe absolutely has to win uh, one. Yeah, I'm. I don't know where they're gonna go with it because uh, the, at Crown Jewel, he's he's already facing someone else. So I don't know. I, I'm. I, I think Joe might um, kind of suffer from the fact that I think I think SmackDown's kind of like they don't really have. They don't really have faces that he could work with if they've put the title on him. I guess I guess Daniel Bryan, but I mean, who else? Well, you could have Randy done, Orton. Like I don't want to see that. You could have done, <laughs> but I think you could have done. I don't. I mean, I really, really I don't, don't want to see that. You. It's just I love the way you said it. It just kind of yeah, there was just a hint of defeat in the way you said that, and I know exactly how you feel. But I mean, you could have I mean, done. Dude, you could have done the Daniel Bryan thing at Crown Jewel had the Miz cost him that match and then you could have gone back to Styles have Styles win the belt back and then had them do another match at Royal Rumble and I think you would have been good. Yeah, I mean there are ways to do it but you could even uh, have done a four-way with Brian with uh, Brian the Miz Styles and Joe with Joe as the champion. That would be fascinating to me. To, to have that go on. Because you've got the two stories happening at the same time, and then you're trying to mix them. Um, God, that'd be so... That'd be really interesting. So we went over and this. there'd be so much 
hate to each guy. We went over this last week, but um, you really only have to get them through a couple title defenses as a heel to get to Mania. Yeah. <clears throat> but I just no. think I think this would have been a good chance to put it on Joe. It was the right kind of um, the right kind of stipulation for the heel to win. Yeah. And there were there were lots of moments in in watching this where, like Joe is hooking the clutch, and he teased the muscle buster and everything over the course of it, to where it's, you know, it looks like he could have feasibly put Styles away until they got to the table spot. So, I don't know. Yeah. I'm. Uh, we'll see where they go from here. Like I have all the faith in the world in AJ and Joe. It's the people around them that I'm starting to get concerned about. Yeah. So, the next match on the card uh, was another we can. Well, it was Rousey and the Bellas versus the Riot Squad. Um, I, I fast forward through this. And I fast forward through this, and I fast forward through this. I'm like, holy crap! They gave this a lot of time. And they did. They gave it over 10 minutes, which is kind of ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they gave it. It was 10.05, and it was win by submission, and we didn't have a heel turn in it, so I'm kind of wondering. I'm like, um, what were we doing again? But, oh, well. They attacked it on Raw. Is that what happened? Yeah, and then okay. they're going to have Rousey and Nikki versus the title at Evolution because people want to see that. I kind of feel like that the 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 Rousey-Nikki at Evolution is meant to be filler. Like, that's, that's what they're doing. It's going to be filler. I think that's the main event. Uh, well, I meant the feud. Oh, yeah. But this was, uh, I watched, I actually did watch, like, a minute or two of this, and the Bellas did not look particularly good. Well. I didn't see any of Rhonda in action. I'm sure she looked fine, though, because she always looks fine. Yeah. Rhonda's, for someone who's new at, at this, Rhonda is, I mean, really really doing a good job she was a fan though so i think she's um i think she has like i think she's like i think if like i think if like matt or i had to do this like minus the athletic ability i think we would have some innate advantages for all the footage we've watched just because potentially just because you kind of like you would you would have an you'd have like the basic ideas from your fandom like okay well i need to do this like this is this like there's I think some certain things like you would just have like a more a more natural grasp on from viewing experience. Yeah, well, <clears throat> perhaps, but and I think okay, she has so this the, one happened. I think she has the athletic background to really like mesh with that too. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Is her athletic background plays into it really well. So the next match on the card, um, honestly, uh, I loved uh, Joe and Styles, but this next match on the card might be my favorite because it hits the nostalgia button. 
uh, Buddy Murphy versus Cedric Alexander because it reminded me of, um, you know, 90s Nitro Luchador matches, cruiserweight matches. I was actually and, surprised they put the title on Murphy here. Well, it, yeah, because it's another hometown guy. And since when does WWE have people winning their hometown? Yeah. You know, when when did that start happening? Never. Um, I think it's because it's another country. Yeah. That's not Canada. Well, they, um, even, they even jobbed um, Jinder Mahal in India last year. I know. That shocked me. If the whole thing about gender was supposed to be to make gender super over in India and then have him be a draw in India, why did you tank him? You know, you put him you put him in there with Triple H. The assumption is that you want because they even had like the announcers, the the announcers, Indian announcers spinning a different story than everybody else. Yeah. About him being the face in this. And then you put him out there with Triple H and have him lose. And it's like, um... Well, that's Triple H for you. Yeah. It just don't... So you like <laughs> you liked this quite a bit? I did. I really enjoyed it. Because these guys went out there, and they worked hard, and they did some really cool stuff. And we saw Cedric Alexander pay his, pay his respects to Juventud Guerrero with the top rope Hoovy driver. And, uh... <laughs> That's actually a ref- one of my favorite pay-per-views of all time, I think, is Spring Stampede. Is it 98 or 99? With Blitzkrieg? Yeah. That's 99. Okay. I, I, I enjoyed that pay-per-view so much. I think it was a shining jewel in the midst of a an ocean of garbage. Um, they had really but, good matches for that first half of 99, actually, like on pay-per-view. Okay. <clears throat> Maybe it just felt that way. But this, this match was so much... I, I can't even say it was my favorite. I love Joe and Styles both. But this was really good. And it, it hit those nostalgia points for me. So I had a lot of fun. I think they just announced Hoovy's going to be on Bound for Glory this year. Really? Yeah, I think I, I saw that today. Uh, boy, I sure hope he's gotten over his ecstasy habit. Well, I mean, it'll be a fun story <laughs> or a good match. We'll see, right? You know, two two hundred five so, live. When I can, when I do, we sit down and watch it. It's a shame because these guys are usually doing like good work in the ring to no reaction. Yeah, that's that's a, and you know what? There's nothing that feels quite. Uh, there there are very few things that feel quite as bad as that. The problem is though, they get set up for failure though because they tape it lot. They like show it live, so. If you go to SmackDown, you sit through SmackDown, and then 205 Live is after that. When everybody, like half the people are getting up to leave yeah. anyway. And like you've seen so, all the main events. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't understand what they do with that. So it was a good match. I wholeheartedly recommend you watch it. It was really good. Um, the next one. The mute button. Six man- the muting of the crowd happened. Yeah. Um, Six-man tag. Shield versus <laughs> um, Strowman, Ziggler, and McIntyre. So I um I had a um I had a turning point in my life with this match. <laughs> I yeah, like okay. and you had you had some sort of existential moment or well so I've been an apathetic to Roman Reigns like I've never been a hater of his. Um, I've always been kind of in the middle on him. But man, there was something about this match and like seeing Braun with Ziggler and McIntyre 
I think I'm a. I think I think I hate rains now. Why? Just because. So so get this. So so why is Braun Strowman a heel here? Oh, I don't feel he's supposed to be a but, heel. But is, but, I mean, that's why, exactly how he's being booked. This but is, I don't this is perceive why him I, as such. This is why I hate Reigns, though, because so, so they made Strowman the heel after Reigns got his buddies to gang up on and bully Strowman, but we're supposed to bull, we're supposed to boo Strowman for getting back up because Roman's too much of a pussy to like take him on one on one, like it just. I'm just, I think the point where I cross with Roman is just, I'm tired of, I'm tired of the product being basically broken at the top because of Roman. Like, it's just, it's, it's crossed lines of absurdity that just, I can't take anymore. Well, yeah, we kind of touched on that in the last uh, episode where you have someone like Strowman who is who well at least was very very popular and still really is i mean he still gets huge pops uh when he comes out but he, that's someone who it's a different type of gimmick but realistically like if they were smart like this is your new undertaker this is the new big guy who you can have around for like you know 15 20 years um, he, people are into him. He can do the monster stuff. He's someone you can just bank on for years and years and years. You can but do your shitty they're, comedy they're, segments and not be hurt by them because his delivery is good. Yeah, and he it, it and he unlike you know I'm I'm sorry to trash him, but like poor Big Show, like unlike Big Show, he's a big guy who like you could instantly make him believable. Like it would literally take one segment of him destroying something to make, to give him any heat. He would lose it by being in a bad segment or being a bad feud, whatever. Like he's believable. He's someone that you could bank on for the future, but they can't do, they can't do anything with him. He's like capped because it's the Roman show. But So there's two segments that, with um, Braun that stick out to me that should not have worked that he made work. So the first one was the brain segment, which mm-hmm. that, that was a stupid segment that should not have worked, but his deadpan delivery of it was hilarious. The other is his one with Elias where he comes out with like a cello. Oh yeah. And he's, oh my God. Yeah. Like I loved that segment so like, much, but, but especially the brain one, the brain one is the kind of thing that should, would bury most people, but he made it work because he is that good. At least at delivering yeah. his material. It is frustrating to me <clears throat> again, because not only like they, they built Braun to be something special. And they did a good job with it, you know. I, yeah, it's gimmicked, but he flipped an ambulance, and then he flips the front end on a semi, and he survived an attempted murder and walked away from it and that sort of stuff. And, you know, people are all about the guy. And yet, they are pissing it away to try and feed Roman because everything else they fed to Roman, and like I said, I don't blame Joe Annoy, but everything they've tried to feed Roman has not made anybody care. It it, it doesn't matter. What what about you know killing <clears throat> Braun Strowman's heat is going to be bigger 
than having the the Royal Rumble elimination record and beating the Undertaker at WrestleMania. You know why? Roman should be bulletproof at this point, but he's not. And so in in this match, my problem is there's nothing at stake, so I I'm not invested. I just I don't care that much. And and the other problem is is then what they're doing with Braun screws over everyone else because then they they have Braun go out there and absolutely just bury guys. And then they don't do anything with it. So you don't even get like the Goldberg thing where he's like the world champion or is going to be the world champion. Like he just he buries like the entire roster and then Roman like looks at him and he falls over and gets pinned. Right. Matt, do you think we're crazy or do you agree with this or what? No, I agree. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm a, a Strowman fan, so I'm hoping that this is like a year from now. So I don't know what they're going to do with him in the meantime, but I kind of hope that when they finally like, uh, when SmackDown has moved to Fox and I presume will become a bigger show since it'll be on a bigger network, maybe they can play around with it and they can, they can break away Strowman from, uh, reigns and maybe he can kind of have his time to shine but right. that's like a, that's like a year in the making so i don't know roman should until be, then roman should be angrier and have access to a time machine <laughs> so we had this whole thing and i just i don't know i'm not sure what they're the shield was reunited to prop Roman up, and now the shield feels less special. I'm tired. And I'm, Braun feels less special because this whole thing is being fed into into propping Roman's championship right now. That's the other thing I is I'm care. tired of the shield. I'm tired of it. Like the idea of the shield reunion was cool, yeah, but and then like the- they did it for a month, and that was cool. But then they just kept doing it. And the problem is, they've worn the they've worn the shine off of. Because we're on like what the fourth reunion right now, something like that, yeah. And so it's kind of like, well, it's like you're gonna bring and, Jason uh, Jordan in again because that really yeah. helped it last time. Well, if you want it, they've made real sure that nobody can beat the Shield because the only folks that ever beat the Shield aren't a group anymore. Because the Wyatts beat the Shield, and now the Wyatts aren't a thing anymore, so no one can beat the Shield. And I just, it it, it invokes the same issue that a lot of people had with Super Cena, is if they always win, then there's no suspense. It's, it's, like, it's like knowing, it's like knowing the twist on the movie, and it doesn't, okay, all right, all right. I'm I'm gonna make a statement that bold statement that is going to infuriate no one. The problem with the way the booking is happening with with Roman having to be at the top right now is like watching the happening. Which one's the happening? The one where the plants are causing people to kill themselves and no one can act. Oh, I, I've never seen that one because I got tired of his gimmick at like um. Which one was where they were in like. Like they were a seventeen hundred village in the real world. Was that the village? That was the village. Yes. Yeah, that's when his gimmick got old. <laughs> oh, his gimmick got old, and then the happening was awful. And then, as it turns out, everyone's like, "Well, it can't get worse than that." And then he made the last Airbender, movie, and it did get worse than that. That movie pissed oh. me off. Like when they announced oh. him, I was like, "Oh boy, that that movie is bad." Yeah. So if imagine 
It's worse than <laughs> Dragon Ball that Z level. was. I, I didn't even bother with that. <laughs> I've heard things, man. I've heard things. <clears throat> That's my problem, though, is that through the whole thing, nothing is exciting, and it seems like a foregone conclusion the whole time. Yep. And we had 20 minutes of it. Yep. So, the next match on the card was Daniel Bryan versus The Miz. Amusingly, this match lasted two and a half minutes. I missed this because I couldn't find a damn thing. <laughs> now, I say amusingly because they go through and they like... <clears throat> this was interesting because they go through and they do the big spots that everybody wants to see them do. But then Daniel Bryan just small packages Miz to beat him. Like, out of nowhere, Bryan just grabs him, does a small package, and pins him. And he's like, oh, hey, guess what? You know, I can just beat you. <laughs> and I was way more amused by this than I should have been. But it was enjoyable. Like, you, you, you managed to convey... We've had this story about how the Miz has snuck or stolen matches out from Daniel Bryan... And so they're having this match, and then Brian's just like, you know, I think I'm just going to win this one right now. Bam, and he does it. And I, I didn't see Raw, but I'm sure The Miz was talked about, like, the Coriolis effect and stuff spinning backwards and, and things like that. I don't know, but <laughs> it was short in a way that was enjoyable and not insulting. And Daniel Bryan really needed to win here. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He needed to win the, the same way Joe needs to win in that other feud. Yeah. So, so the main event, Shad is the only one that saw this because I saw how long <laughs> it went and I just noped the fuck out. Yeah. The main event's weird because who do you have out there, at, at, you know, in the ring area? You have four of the most recognizable names in, I'm just, I'm going to say the last 20 years. You know, just kind of narrow it down because I don't want to get into it about Flair and his prime and Dusty and stuff like that, right? So, these guys still have the knowledge and still have the psychology to be engaging. But the problem is, and I think this, I'm going to mix a Meltzer quote and a John Mulaney quote together, is, (laughs) so I'm going to reference both of them. Instead of... In terms of just the match, instead of seeing Triple H versus The Undertaker, what we ended up seeing was Paul and Mark out there trying their best. And that's disappointing, especially if if this whole thing was supposed to be a build to the Triple H, Shawn Michaels versus Kane Undertaker at um, Crown Jewel. This, God, this seems like a screwy way to do it. Fun fact, the combined age of the four participants in this match are 206 years old. 206, and I think Meltzer was also commenting on the fact they thought that Shawn Michaels had stapled his hat on. Because he's out there bumping like that, and it never came off. Um, he's got to hold. He's got to hide that bald head. <clears throat> yeah, he shaved his head, didn't he? Yeah, that's. Yeah, that that's people are are 
definitely weirded out by that. He can't it's... really hide that uh, lazy eye, though. Remember when Robert? Remember when Robert Gibson's got really bad, like towards the end of his career, and got so creepy you couldn't like listen to anything he said. <laughs> yeah. And um, Thunderbolt Patterson. Thunderbolt Patterson's see, is really, really bad. See, you bring up you bring up Shawn Michaels' lazy ass starting to drift, and all I can think is RVD is sitting there on a on a U shoot thing. And then he does the Shawn Michaels commentary, and he drifts the one eye over. And uh, what what's the host name? Sean. It's not Sean Patrick, is it? Um, it doesn't matter. He does that, and the host just loses it. I cannot hear reference to that without seeing it in my head and laughing. Yeah, yeah. But the problem is, this match went for this match went for a half hour. I. Uh- so, this is a really weird um, sidebar, but what awful um, new WWE films movie is Michael's in? Is it like Marine Five or Six? Which, if that's the case, how how do they have that many Marine movies? Wasn't Randy I Orton think, in one of them? Yeah, I think the Marine movies are being done as kind of a an anthology idea. It's it's not like a continuation of the same story. It's just it's a different story with a different Marine as the primary uh, protagonist. Mm, okay. So I don't think they're tied together like that. I could be wrong. Is if the Miz I'm wrong, in this one too? I don't know. I think if the Miz I'm is wrong, in some of these. If I'm wrong, contact us on social media and let me know. You know, the only good movie I thought <laughs> WWE films put out was that Kane one was acceptable. See no evil? Yeah. Yeah, that actually it wasn't bad because it's basically just a straight up horror movie, and it's it's a uh, in that it's like it basically succeeds. It's decent. Yeah, you can put that <laughs> just, on and ignore it, and you won't be offended by it. Anyway, this match, this match, thirty minutes long. Yeah, thirty minutes long, and it ends with a super kick into a pedigree, and I'm just not. Look, we're we're getting to a point where, in all honesty, these guys had their wonderful send-offs, and really, I I would have preferred to remember them that way. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it's their career, it's their decision, and it's their payday. So I can't criticize too hard. I can just say what I would have preferred. Remember when we used to rip on WCW for having main events with guys in their mid-40s? Yeah. And yep. this is a main event with guys where the youngest guy is 49 years old. Yeah. And one of them is a mayor of Knoxville. So, I don't know. Civic Kane hits the ring. Okay. So, so the whole point of this is is, is what? Just to uh, have... I think they were just jerking themselves off, honestly, with that match. Well, I mean, it's... I, I guess, well, yeah, they, tw- they, no one wants to see a 27-minute match with these two at this point. But is, is this just like, is this all just to kind of have a big match for the Saudi show? The the reading that I've been doing is that the point of this was to build to the tag match at Crown Jewel. Mm-hmm. And to, you know, since they hadn't been to Australia in so long that I guess they could see an undertaker match i don't know but i don't know it, it 
it kind of seems to me that if if we're going to have Taker doing stuff, it needs to be like his John Cena match at Last Mania. Yeah. And I really think Cena would have pulled something a lot better out of Taker than Triple H probably did here. Yeah, I, I don't know. But as for Super Showdown, um, there's some good stuff in there. You just just pick and choose what you watch. From- from what I, I suppose, from what I saw, percentage-wise, there's more good than bad, or more good than indifferent. But just just curate your watch list, I guess. From what I watched of it, I don't see why this show needed to be televised. Like, if you're if you really want something to watch on the network, go watch like an old pay-per-view that you haven't seen before before you watch this. Well. Uh, it's it, it's kind of hard to have like a big show in Australia and not do something with it, I guess. But anyway, <clears throat> the the last thing we were going to cover is uh, Brad. You there was some actually some comic stuff you wanted to mention, right? Yeah. So um, this summer DC started selling some books exclusively through Walmart. So what they are is um is they sell like a couple titles. They're a hundred pages. There's there's a there's a new story, then reprints of old stuff. So then they have like a Superman book, Batman book, um, Teen Titans and Justice League. So um, I pointed them out to Shad because, you know, they're like five bucks. They're a pretty good deal for what they are. And um, they put some pretty good creative teams on that. So Shad picked up one that I had read as well, which was the third Superman book. And um, I actually yeah. thought this was a really good story. <laughs> Yeah, um, to for a little bit of background, there's, uh, I think Batman brought, Batman had found the scene of a murder, and he had found, uh, there's a little girl that he brought in to the hospital in the aftermath of it. So, the, I don't, I can't remember if it was both parents or just one of them uh, was the murder victim, and then the there were two girls in the house, and one of them just vanished. And the implication was that it's uh, it was something alien. <clears throat> and so in, in the course of this, Superman is supermaning around. <clears throat> but he's also struggling with letting this go. Because the girl that was taken, actually, she still had her... I, I can't remember if they referred to it as a figure or a doll, but Superman was her favorite, and she still had that whenever she was kidnapped. <clears throat> and so she's... Uh, her sister tells Superman all this sort of stuff and actually ends up passing a little bit later. They don't specify why. That's kind of a hole in it. Because she seemed healthy, and she wasn't hooked up to machines or tubes or anything, but she they lose her at some point. And so you have these wonderful moments of Clark, first of all, trying to get Perry to let him cover it for the Daily Planet. And Perry's like, what are you, are, are you nuts? You know, this was in Gotham. What are you, you know, this is in Metropolis. What's, what's your deal? And then <clears throat> there is, he's discussing with Lois about the responsibilities he has. And Lois is kind of like messing with him about, how her shtick is turning into falling off buildings so she can be saved. And he has the conversation with his dad, and he's like, you know, the Green Lantern Corps is out there looking for, and if anyone can find it, they can. And his dad's like, I'm sure they can. And he's like, but I feel like I need to. And his dad's like, I know you do. And he's like, 
but I have responsibilities here. He goes, I know you do. You need to do what you need to do, Clark. And eventually it gets to the point where Clark decides that he has to go look for her. He can't not. And I enjoyed that because that was a very Clark thing to do. Um, it, it gets to the heart of, of who Clark Kent is, right? He, he can't let someone go like that. He's got to try and help. And, you know, I, I really I really enjoyed that because I thought it was really good character work. It's also remarkable how much, like, of a character <laughs> arc they put into a 12-page story. Yeah, I know, right? That was really... Mm, it was really nice to read because he's... He also there's a whole there's a there's a page where he's talking with um, Hal Jordan about it and Jordan's like well I mean you know we're out there looking we'll do what we can <laughs> and Clark's like I know you will and uh, you know it's 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 really it's really special and it's really um, it was really good to read I enjoyed that a lot. It- I really am looking forward to number four coming out because I want to get deeper into the story. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, at this point, we're obviously at the beginning. So the question is, who done it? Why they done it? Why yeah. this person? That sort of stuff. We don't have those answers yet. But like the. But so far, the the character work's been solid. What What I also like about this book is, it's one of the few times, especially in like the last at least this decade where I've picked up a comic book and felt like I got my money's worth out of like the content in it. Yeah. Cause there's a pretty good Hal Jordan versus a Manhunter fight in it. Yeah. And, uh, the thing with the, um, they're referred to as the terrifics and, uh, there's like a Batman with, uh, Superman. I thought you'd like the terrifics with a uh, plastic man and Mr. Terrific in it. I do. Um, uh, I'm a huge justice society fanboy from the John's run and then plastic man written well is always fun. Yeah. <laughs> plastic man is kind of like the, the non douchey Deadpool without the fourth wall breaking thing. Yeah. And, um, that's a interesting way to kind of characterize him, but I think that's not bad. <laughs> he is kind of like, it's like the same kind of jokey uh, humor, but yeah, he's not as, uh, doesn't work as blue <laughs> as Deadpool. Yeah. Well, and he, Part of part of Deadpool's thing is that he Deadpool also has rampant disregard for other people. So, you know, Deadpool is like, I'm zany, I'm wacky, and oh, by the way, these people in the background died too, because I was screwing around and had the safety off of my pistols, oh I'm so zany. Whereas Plastic Man's like, Oh yeah, look at this. Do you like nachos? Oh, I may you know, I ha- I made I made my arm into a bowl and I have nachos, who would have thought, you know. And it's it's silly without um, it's harmless silly fun that accentuates what's going on. You know, you know, my problem with Deadpool is they've never recaptured the magic of like the Joe Kelly run from the nineties. <coughs> I'll be honest with you, I've actually enjoyed both the movies that they oh, made the for movies, him. The movies are fantastic. Yes, I haven't and, seen the second one yet. It's it's good, and I like. Apparently, the what they did for the the epilogue was just a throw it in thing, but they liked it so much that they decided to make it canon. When so I was I was dubious about those movies at first, but when he did the um, 
the PSA for Australia Day, they had me. <laughs> and the second movie had me when they did the Bob Ross thing. Yeah. Well, you you have Ryan Reynolds being this driving force behind it who also really gets the character. Um, that helps a lot. Colossus was brilliant in the first one. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't there supposed to be more of you guys around? It's because we could only afford two X-Men that nobody knows about. <clears throat> so, anyway. Uh, yeah, if, if you have a Walmart nearby and you like Superman stuff or could potentially like Superman stuff, pick it up. It's uh, number three. And it's, it's, it's so. five bucks. Hundred pages. There by, like, the collectibles in the front. And there's, there is a Swamp Thing Halloween special that is also quite good. So, hey... As far as comics go, five bucks for a hundred pages worth of stuff. That's yeah. that's a heck of a deal. That's more content than you usually get for your penny. Yep. You can actually so. sit down and it doesn't you can't you can't read it in five minutes. <laughs> All right. Well guys, I am uh I think we've we've hit the end of our content for this episode. So hey, we want to thank everybody for joining us out there. Uh we've been in three corners, you've been in the fourth. Um Hit us up. Let us know what you think. If there's stuff you'd like to hear us talk about, if you'd like to hear our reactions. You know, we've got all kinds of social media presences. And um, also, y'all should follow and cheer for Epico because, you know, he's the man. Yeah, we need uh, <laughs> we need Epico on, uh, on our TVs all the time. We do. We need more Epico. All righty, guys. This has been the Four Corners Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Uh, this is Shad with Matt and Brad. Y'all have a good night.